Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. All righty, let's get to our seats. And we will get moving. Uh, I promise you that we will not go long today, unlike other preachers here, because if no other reason, I am hot up here. And um, I, I sweat when it's 71 degrees, guys. So, uh, yeah, I'm already sweating like a politician facing a lie detector test. So, um, first things first, good morning, Christ Community Church. Yeah, very good. All right. Um, just a couple things before we get going. First of all, for every one of you that helped with Johnny and friends, many of you came out and helped on Monday and Friday or one of those days, and, and thank you very much for that. It's a great ministry, and it's a great way just to serve them and help them do their ministry. So thank you for that. Also, you may have noticed that driving into the parking lot, you weren't hitting moonlight craters. Um, and, and that's because uh, John and Sandy Klein took care of that for us, and so thank you guys very, very much for that. Um, and as far as the, like the coins for to totally redo the parking lot, um, you can just start just dropping that in there anytime, just feel free, and we do appreciate that so that we can get that done as soon as uh, we can. All right, we are wrapping up the Sermon Series on the Ten Commandments. And then in July, what we're going to do is we're going to do something we've done before called Back to Basics. We like to do this every couple years. And we're just going to be covering, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? <clears throat> what is the Bible really about? Uh, can you trust it? What, what is prayer? What, is, what did God design the church to be? So during July, we're going to be doing that. Okay, and so then in August, we'll get back to verse-by-verse preaching. We're going to go into uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. That's where we'll be going in August. So, and one of the reasons we do the Back to Basics, it's always good just to get that framework for everybody, but also, I don't know if you've noticed or not, we've had seven baptisms in the last month. So, you know, um, and that'll be good for those folks and, and you as well. All right, when I was a kid, uh, many, many, many moons ago, when I was about eight or nine years old, we had this thing in the early 80s called the Satanic Panic. Now, if you remember this, this was where uh, a couple of ministers came out and claimed that, that all of this music was demonically influenced, and you could discover it by playing it backwards, because as we all do. Have you ever played a song backwards? Have you ever wanted to play a song backwards? And so, you know, and we had this. And I remember, like, one of the songs that people kept telling me was satanic was Hotel California by the Eagles. The Eagles, folks. Right? Not Ozzy Osbourne. The Eagles. Now, what irritated me about this was, you know, one of the things really irritated me was when I lived in Los Angeles, I read an interview with Don Henley, who wrote the lyrics. They asked him what it was about. He said that he was walking down Sunset Boulevard one day, and he looked up, and they were selling cardboard cutouts of uh, Marilyn Monroe and James Dean, and he looked at his buddy and said, wow, you can check out, but you can never leave. It's a song that's about fame. That's all it's about. It's about Hollywood. There's nothing evil 
behind it. It's about Hollywood. Now, here's another one that gets thrown into the mix. Chris, try not to crank this too much, but go ahead and play the song, the beginning of the song, see if you guys can guess what it is. Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin. That's right, 1971. So I heard all the time that this was a satanic song. I'm like, have you read the lyrics? It's about a Beverly Hills housewife who thinks she can buy happiness. That's it. That's it. That's the entire point of the song. There's nothing satanic about that. It's actually, as we're going to see in a little bit, more Christian than some of the songs they play on Caleb. I don't mean to upset you, but some, 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 like David Crowder, Solid, all that kind of stuff, but some of the songs they play on Caleb are a little shaky when it comes to their theology and their biblical foundation. But saying that, basically, it's a fool's errand to try to buy your way to happiness is actually a biblical concept. And that's what it's about. Now, we're talking about the very last commandment, the 10th commandment. So let's look at it. We're going to Exodus 20, 17. And so, Chris, if you throw that up there, we'll look at that, and then we're going to talk about it. You shall not covet, we'll talk about that in a minute, your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey. I don't think that applies to too many of us today. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That one does. Do not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, um, a, a preacher that I admire, when he was preaching through the Ten Commandments, he did something that was effective but stupid. It was effective because he had, he said, he told his entire congregation, his congregation is like 15,000 people, and he said, close your eyes and imagine, you know, the perfect spouse, the perfect house, the perfect car, the perfect job. And he said, if you imagine anything other than where you are right now, you're coveting, you're sinning. Now, I'm not going to do that to you because I was sitting there thinking what that pastor did was have an entire congregation sin. One of my goals is never to have you sin from the pulpit. Not to attempt to do that. But he, had, he made an effective point. If you daydream about having someone else's life, the Bible says you're coveting. Why? Why is that a sin? It's a sin for a couple reasons. One, it's a toxic mix of envy and jealousy, which never work out well. That's one. Two, you're doubting the wisdom of God. You are in the spot you are in because that, for right now, is where God wants you. So, for you to want to be in someone else's life, what you are doing is telling God he's wrong. And telling God he's wrong is sinning. Now, here's where I have to add a little footnote. Am I saying that it is wrong to want to be a better you? No, of course not. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to get healthier, with you wanting to work harder and save more and, and, and grow your income and your retirement and your investments. So I said, nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not talking about you wanting to be a better you. I'm talking about you wanting to be someone else. Does that make sense? At that moment, then, you are coveting. Then, you are sinning. Now, this is a tough one. 
Because if you think about it, this almost all of it happens within your head. This is not like, if you're committing adultery, someone can catch you in the act. If you lie, someone can catch you in the act. But in coveting, that can remain within you. And here's the problem. You think it's a secret, it's not, because God knows everything you think. Everything. And so, you can't hide it from God. This is a sin that is between you and God, and it's something you have to deal with. And the thing about this is, as Christians, and I'll come back to this again, as Christians, when we sit there and go, I wish I had a different life, I wish I had that life, or I wish I had that life, instead of working toward a better life, I, wanna, I just want that. Basically, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, you think about what God has given you. He created you, he forgave you, and he forgave you through the torture and death of his own son. Now, he did that for you. When you covet, you are basically looking at the cross of Jesus Christ and saying, not enough. Give me more. You don't deserve that, and you want more. It's a matter, is it not, of gratitude, right? Of being thankful for what God has done for you. I mean, if, if God were not as patient as he was, every time we sinned, he could just zap us into hell if he wanted to, and he'd be, he'd be by his rights to do it. We get grace every single day. For those of you especially, you know this if you've had health problems. I had major health problems years ago. We've had people here going through health problems. You come through the other end of that, and you realize, and it, sometimes it takes that pain for you to realize, every day, no matter where you're at or who you are, is a gift from God. Every single day. Okay, your kids may be smart aleck, pains in the butt. All right, so you work on that. You don't wish for a different family. Your spouse may not look as good as he or she did when you married them. Spoiler alert, neither do you. All of these things. Your car may not be a great car. Great. Save, get a new one. Don't sit around and just wish for someone else's life. And the problem we have here is this sin is so hard to fight because our entire economy is based on trying to make you into someone else. Right? You think about this, because, you know, I I used to be a, a trainer. I don't have time to do it anymore, but when I was a trainer in the gym, I never saw a gym advertise... Come, work out, and you can be average. You never see somebody on a gym poster who doesn't have six-pack abs. This is the the, the culture that we live in. And, And unfortunately, it's gotten worse, and I can prove it. Okay? Who are the action stars today? Who are the number one action stars today? Jason Statham, The Rock, 
When I was growing up, who was it? Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Did you ever see a picture of them without their shirt on where they had any fat at all? No. Now, we now know that they were pumping themselves full of trembolone and, and testosterone boosters and human growth hormone and all the other kind of stuff, and, and they were just walking laboratories, um, and that's how they got there. But you think about that. Now, when my dad was growing up in the 50s and 60s, who was the number one action star? John Wayne. Now, once you think about John Wayne, Stallone. Stallone, six-pack, rippled, all that kind of stuff. John Wayne, beer gut. Right? But once upon a time, that was what it was to be a man. John Wayne was a man. You know, then it turned you to know a man has to be sculpted, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I hope to get back there one day and, you know, quit injuring myself. I'm for it. But that does show you where our culture has gone, right? Um, I don't like modern country music. I don't consider it country. Um, and I read an article with, uh, by Tom T. Hall. Anybody remember Tom T. Hall? Remember Tom T. Hall? Okay. Tom T. Hall gave an interview. He said, he said, Nashville between the 50s and now, he said, here's how it changed. He said, when I got to Nashville and you said you were a singer or a songwriter, they, you know, the number one thing they talked about was what's your favorite guitar? And what's your favorite bar? And it's almost The bar is almost always Tootsie's, by the way, because that's where Hank Williams used to hang out. Hank Williams used to say that it took him 40 steps to get from the Ryman Auditorium to Tootsie's bar, but for some reason it took him 80 steps to get back from Tootsie's to the Ryman Auditorium. And, and so he said, now, Tom T. Hall said, today the number one question is, where do you get your spray tan and who's your hairstylist? I mean, they call it country music. I'm pretty sure Florida Georgia Line, as we sit here, is probably having a mani-pedi and watching a DVR episode of The Bachelorette. That's not country. But that's where our culture is gone. And so it's everywhere. Everywhere. Have it better this, have it better that, have it better this. And, and we had these lives just paraded in front of us, the real whatever of this and all that kind of stuff. And, and you had these lives, the Kardashians and everyone else, and they just paraded it. And it's all about, don't you want this life? And you've got a lot of people out there who do. It's tough. And in order to do that, to try to get that life we want, because we're unhappy in our own, because if you were unhappy in your own, you wouldn't want another life. In order to get there, we are willing to spend a lot of money we don't have. I know people, when I was a trainer, I knew people who had belonged to three or four gyms, had personal trainers, had uh, going to tanning beds, doing all that kind of stuff, going to have their fat frozen off and, and, and all this kind of stuff, and they had no money. The average American household's credit card debt is $8,284. The average American household has more than $8,000 in credit card debt. And it's getting worse. The people that have that, they don't have a debt problem, they have a coveting problem. And part of this is because we have expanded what we call necessities. 
I remember a time when we had, growing up, a phone, a phone on the wall, a TV. It had three channels on it, four if you count PPS, which I did not. And you were royally screwed if the president was on, right? Because he was on all of them. And that's what we had. And we were fine. I mean, Dad hogged the TV remote, but we were fine. And now we've gotten to the point where everybody has to have this, this, this. We have to have uh, cable, Netflix, Amazon Prime. We have to have uh, Spotify. We have to have Apple Radio. We have to have the new iPhone. We have to, 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 we have to. No, you don't. And start by just being honest with yourself. You don't need it. Start, get that out of your vocabulary. You need salvation, food, and shelter. That's what you need. It's what you want. Can we be honest enough just to talk that way? I want this instead of I need this. And some of it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, we've got, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I've got 900 and some channels on my cable thing, and I watch like three of them, right? And, but when I flip through, one of the things I see over and over again are those home improvement shows. I know some of you like them. I don't get it. I, I don't, you know, watching people overhaul of, you know, a kitchen is just not my idea of entertainment. And, and here's one of the things I see all the time. They start arguing like over a, a sink, and over a spigot. And I'm like, you know, one of them's like, this one is a smart spigot, you touch it, and it starts to flow. I was like, is it really that hard to just do this, or this? When did this, this become laborious? And, and, and here's the deal, if you think about it. The smart spigot, the old spigot, you know what they do? They both dispense water. That's it. That's it. They both dispense water. Now, here's one I fell for. Having a 4K TV. And now they're coming out with 8K. Okay, here's what they don't tell you. And you can Google this if you don't believe me. It used to be TVs were in a ratio called 1080, and now then they moved to 4K, and then now they're moving to 8K. Here's the problem. The average person cannot tell the difference between 1080 and 4K. The hu average human eye cannot tell any difference. The only way you can see a difference in 1080 and 4K is the TV has to be at least 42 inches, and you have to sit a certain distance from it, and you have to have 20-20 vision. Now, if you can do all of that, you can see a little bit of a difference. See the problem here? And yet, I, I, I've seen it before, but I, I, I need it. No, you don't need it. You want it. Now, if you have 20-20 vision, I used to. I have now joined that uh, pack of people that have to do this sometimes. Hey, I made it to 40, like 46, 47 before I had to do that. That's a, that's, that's a record in the Rawlings family, trust me. We do not have good genes when it comes to our eyes. But you know, if you want to do that, fine. If you, go for it. But don't, don't tell yourself that you need it. You just want it. And if you want it, fine. Be honest with yourself. Live within your means. 
and go get it. That's fine. But it's not just stuff. It's also the idea that looking back on our life and maybe regretting decisions we've made and wishing that somehow we had a DeLorean with a flux capacitor so we could go back and fix it. Now, I've been there. Um, when I was working in Hollywood, when I went off to Hollywood, I had one dream. I wanted to be a film director. I wanted to direct movies. And I, I went off to Hollywood not to become an actor. I, I, I see what's in the mirror. I had no delusions. But I thought behind the camera that would work. And so I wanted to be a director. And I studied like crazy. I studied film history and film theory. And, and I, I went on to as many sets as I could. I still remember the very first set that I walked onto was Back to the Future 3. A guy got me on the set, got to see the DeLorean, you know, get lifted up. But, but it was a crane, by the way. They don't really fly. Um, sorry. But, you know, and, and I was on the set and got to see Michael J. Fox running around, Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown. Like, I got to see all that. And, and so I worked really hard, and I networked a lot, which is really tough for me because I'm an introvert. But I networked a lot to try to get a directing gig. And when I was 18, I got one. I was hired to direct a music video for Latin MTV. Now, you will never discover the name of that music video. I will never tell you. It played on Latin MTV, but I will never tell you what it was because it's a visual abomination. And I have disowned it. You will not find my name on IMDb, not going that route. I directed it. I get the gig. I'm like, yes, okay, wait, what do I do? I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm directing a video. I don't have a camera person. I don't have a lighting person. I don't have a sound person. I don't know where to edit. What am I going to do? So I called my buddy Mason, Mason Cooper. And I said, Mason, I got, a, I got a gig. I was hired to direct this video. He goes, good for you. I said, no, I don't know how to do it. He goes, what do you mean? You know how to direct? I said, yeah, but I don't even know how to start to direct. I don't know who to hire, where to find them. I don't know what to do. He said, okay. He said, my cousin is a TV producer. He can help you out. His name's Todd Stevens. He said, I'll call him and then see if he's willing to meet with you. Great. At that time, he was a producer on a TV show called Major Dad. Anybody remember Major Dad? Yeah, he was one of the producers on Major Dad. So he agreed to meet with me, and we sat down. We ended up sitting down several times. He was very kind to me. He goes, okay, you need a camera person. Uh, here's a list of two or three people I've worked with. They're pretty good, reasonable. Go call them. All right, you're going to need this. He even explained to me what a key grip and a gaffer is. I didn't even know what that was. And so he goes, you need this, need this, need that. And he ran it all down. He gave me names. I called the people, got it together, put it together, shot the video, edited it. By the way, editing's a pain in the butt. It takes forever, especially on videotape. And I went, and I edited it. And it was done. And I watched it, and it was horrible. And I said, okay. I am obviously a better film buff than a filmmaker. Time to get out of Hollywood because there is no reason to live in Hollywood if you don't work in the entertainment business. None. Nobody goes, I'm going to Hollywood to be an agent for Allstate. Nobody does that. Because it's a pain in the butt. It's, traffic's bad, the air's bad, wildfires, shootings, all this other kind of stuff. It's, it's terrible. And so I left. Now, it didn't occur to me until later that 
Of course it was terrible. I'd never been to film school, and I was 18 years old. That didn't occur to me till later. And here's where it hit. Because before I left, I made a couple phone calls. One of the people I called was Todd Stevens. I said, Todd, I'm out of here, dude. I'm tapping out. I can't do it. He goes, yeah, you can. Go to film school. I was going to say, oh, hey, come intern for me. I'll hire you. Come on. I said, no, nah, Todd, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm out. All right. Three years later, flash forward, my girlfriend at the time. I was working on a congressional campaign. I was gone a lot. But this one particular Thursday night, I was home. And my girlfriend said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. What do you want to do? She goes, well, let's just watch TV. Because back then on Thursday night in the 90s, if you remember, it was Seinfeld and Frasier, and ER, and all that kind of stuff. I said, okay. She goes, there's a new show that's premiering tonight. Let's watch it. I said, okay. It was Friends, produced by Todd Stevens. <laughs> uh, okay. I had a coveting problem for a while. Um, I was sitting there more than once while I was working on this congressional campaign, driving the back route to Gallipolis, Ohio at 5 o'clock in the morning to get a guy running for Congress to a moose lodge in Jackson. I was thinking I could be sipping coffee with Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox right now. All right. I got over it. But looking back on that, and I wasn't a Christian at the time, but looking back on that, when you do that kind of thing, when you wish you had another life, even if it's your life in a different direction, you are coveting. You are doubting the wisdom of God. God did not want me hanging out with Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox. He wanted me for reasons I'm still praying about in Portsmouth, Ohio, where it gets to be 90 degrees on a Sunday morning with 85% humidity, like Vietnam. For whatever reason, this is where he wants me. This is it. And so wherever you are, that's where God wants you at at this moment. Can you aspire to be a better person? Yes. But should you aspire to be someone else? No. We're all going to age. It's going to happen. I know it's tough to embrace it. One of the things that I have discovered at 47 is how easy it is to covet wanting to be 27. Yeah. It used to be, now understand that in my 20s, I was not a Christian, so hold on. Used to be I would party all night with my buddies, get like three minutes sleep, jump up, go to class at Shawnee, Go to work, go party, rinse, repeat as often as necessary, right? It was just over and over and over again. And I could do it, and I had all this energy. Now, after preaching for 45 minutes, I'm going to need a nap. Because that just happens. Getting older, it, it just happens. So wanting to be younger, it's, wanting to feel better is fine. You know, if you want to feel better, fine. Go down to Dale's gym, go down to Tyler's gym, go work out, go do all that kind of stuff. Don't tell me you can't do it. You know, Dale's got people of all ages, Tyler, they're, they're, you can do it. You want to feel better, look better, fine. Go join a gym. 
Nothing wrong with that. Want to feel better? Eat better. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. But when you start daydreaming about having someone else's life, that's when you've crossed the line, and you are now doubting the wisdom of God. Got a bad marriage? Work on it. Got a bad job? Find a new one. But don't daydream about being someone else. An old monk said many hundreds of years ago, said that if he had the power of God, he would change a lot. But if he had the power of God and the knowledge of God, he'd change nothing. Now, I know this is all easier said than done, but it has to be done. And only you can do it. This is between you and God. You know, if I see you driving down through New Boston, which you should avoid, by the way, because it's about to be one lanes both ways for like months, that's going to be a disaster. Does anybody have a helicopter? Um, let's say I see you, and you're driving, I look over, I see the CCC sticker, I look over, oh, it's such and such, and you're sitting there and you're staring off into space. I don't know what you're thinking about. That's between you and God. I can't call you out. I can't roll down my window in New Boston and yell, quit thinking about that. Now, I have such a low view of humanity, I could probably get away with that. But I can't do anything. This is something you have to go look in the mirror. You have to prayerfully go over. Okay, why do I want this life instead of this life that I have? Well, because I have problems, work on them. Well, because I don't feel good, get in shape. Well, because my marriage is a challenge, get counseling. Well, my job stinks. Is it the job or is it you? This is something you have to identify, and then you need to go to God. And the first thing you need to do is you do need to repent. You do need to ask for forgiveness. Why? God, you have given me this life. Why? Show me what to do with it. Help me. Forgive me for wanting another life. Help me to accept and embrace this, this life that you have given me. And the next step is this, then we'll wrap up. Jealousy and envy of other people is toxic. And I see this. You know, I grew up with two sisters, and it's an insight I wish I'd spent more time thinking about because I'd understand women a little bit more. Right now I know about this much. And I would watch my sisters watch TV, and there'd be some hot woman walk across, and my sisters, instead of going, doesn't she look nice? Good for her. What do they do? Oh, I bet she's had work. It must be nice to go to Dr. Such and Such in Beverly Hills and have this done and that done and that tucked and a personal trainer and a nutritionist. Okay, so what? Why does that come out of people? What difference does it make? How, you know, for, but for some reason, for like a millisecond, you feel good saying, well, but. Why? 
Why can't you just be happy for them? Just be happy for them. They look good, they're doing well, be happy for them. Who cares? Why do we do that? Coveting. How dare they look better than me? Now, I don't mean to stereotype, but let's face it. When it comes to men do this too, especially about athletes and stuff like that, but, but women, for some reason, I've seen it. This is, this is the gift of, of being an introvert. When I would go to parties, I spent most of my time, you know, over in a corner with just like one or two people. I wasn't, I wasn't a mingler, you know. That's one of the reasons God gave me my wife. She's a mingler. She can do that. I would sit and watch, and here's what I would see. As soon as a beautiful woman entered the room, all the women, as soon as they noticed that, would suddenly turn around and start whispering to each other. Now, I'd be willing to bet every dollar in my pocket they weren't going, doesn't she look great? You know what they were saying. Some of the nastiest things come out of women's mouths just because a woman they perceive as more attractive than her just came into the room. Man, oh man. You know, we dudes, we have a problem with each other. We just go outside and fist fight for about 10 minutes and we hug, out, hug it out and it's done. You guys just did it, did it, did it forever. And it's, it's coveting. It's simple jealousy, jealousy and envy. That's all it is. All right, because of genetics and uh, gym and plastic surgery, such and such looks good. So what? How does that really affect you at all? It doesn't. So don't worry about it. Just wish the people, do you know that if we got into a mindset that when people are successful or look good or whatever, we just were positive and wished them well, how less toxic our lives would be? And you just think about it. It just be toxic. Your life is a gift from God, and you need to live a life of gratitude toward God. Every moment is a gift. Even driving through New Boston, it's a gift. And so you have to see it that way. If we were more thankful, we would covet less and we'd just be happier people. Yes? If we were just grateful. Just be grateful. I've told you this before. One of my favorite quotes is from Teddy Roosevelt who said that, Living a life of a comparison robs a person of joy. Living a life of comparison robs your life of joy. Don't worry about what such and such has, what such and such looks like. Just worry about yourself and your relationship with God. If you focus on that, you'll be happier your families will be healthier. 
people won't tend to think, as we see in polls, research polls, that Christians are a bunch of jerks. All that would go away if we were just grateful. And if you need to be reminded why it's grateful, here's how I'll wrap up. Because I'm pretty sure if I sweat anymore, I'm going to short out this mic. Um, Understand that as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Son of God left his throne in heaven, became a poor day laborer, and was tortured, beaten, and slaughtered on a cross to save you and me from our rightful place in hell for all of eternity. So the next time you sit there and you're thinking, you start to find yourself daydreaming about being such and such or such and such or that person or whatever, or if I just had made this change and my life would be over here instead of here. Think about the cross of Jesus Christ. We have more than we could ever earn, ever deserve. And yeah, we're going to get older, and that's going to stuff, you know, age, age and gravity are not your friends. Stuff's going to sag, stuff's going to wrinkle, stuff's going to get gray. It's going to happen. And then one day, you're going to get very sick, and because of Jesus Christ, go to heaven. Not a bad deal. And from an eternal perspective, it's really a short way to get there, is it not? If you change your heart through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will change the way you live, you will change the way you think, you will change your entire attitude if you first change your heart by being grateful for the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's let's pray and quit. Father God, we thank you for our creation, your son, our forgiveness. Every single day, may we remember that. May we preach the gospel to ourselves, make us a grateful people so that we will be a happy people and be a content people, that we will not be a coveting people. We will not have envy or jealousy. We will just be happy for other people when they succeed or look good or whatever. Because in the end, all that really matters is Do we have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus? That's the only thing that matters in eternity. Not what we look like, how much money we have, not any of that. Forgive us and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whoo, I'm done. Let's get out of here. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.